Welcome to this BTN podcast. I'm Andy Hoskins and I'm editor of BTN Europe. Joining me today for the latest episode of our In Conversation With series is Clive Ratton, Chief Executive of the Business Travel Association. Hi, Clive. Hi, Andy. How are you? Good, thank you. Your uh, your CV reads like, a, I guess, a, a who's who of the travel industry. Um, positions include uh, most recently Chief Executive of TMC Amber Road, General Manager UK Etihad. I think I interviewed you in both those roles. Um, and yep. then going, going further back, since Golf Air, Qantas, BA, HRG, Amex, and Thomas Cook. And recently, I learned as well that you were a pub landlord in the 1980s for a couple of years. That is all 100% correct. And all it suggests is I've been around a very long time and I'm quite old when you read it out like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and how did that experience as a pub landlord uh, serve you for your career in the business travel industry? Oh, pretty well, to be honest with you. It makes you pretty resilient when you uh, run your own pub out in the country. It's uh, it's very hard work and not as glamorous as I thought it was going to be. And it was my first kind of running my attempt at running my own business at quite a young age. Um, so I learned a lot from it, but not least that uh, if you drink uh, beer and eat chips every day, it's not great for your health either. <laughs> so that was pretty good advice. Oh, good experience then. Well, um, thanks for joining us today. What a year it's been. I can barely believe you only joined BTA, was it September last year? Yeah, September 19, yeah, it seems, uh, yeah, been a lot going on. It feels like you've been in the role for quite a lot longer than that. Yeah, it does. I mean, I guess, as you rightly say, we look back over the year, it's, it's almost been a double year for the amount that's happened. It's, you know, so it has seemed like that. Um, but I was lucky, as you know, Andy, I'd kind of been involved with the BTA both as a supplier and on the board before. So it was an easy kind of move across for me, but um, it has seemed like a, a very long year for many people in the industry and generally, I think. Um, so, yeah, glad to see the back of it. Yeah, obviously, it's been a bit of a horrific one. You've been quite visible throughout it all and um, you've sort of represented the industry really well. What's the sort of current mood among members? You know, I think we're beginning to see a little bit of an uplift in, uh, in mood. You know, obviously, news around the vaccine and uh, you know, the moves to reducing quarantine and test and release, whilst all very small steps, are steps in the, in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, and I just don't think you can get any lower than a lot of people have been this year. And the time is right now for people to kind of use the end of the year as a, as a springboard to launch into next year with a little bit more optimism than we've had before. But that's not to say the outlook looks fantastic. I think it just means the mood is beginning to swing. So, look, we've got to focus and we've got to get back to how we um, working out how we get this industry back to where we need it to be. Sure. And, and what sort of volumes are we seeing at the moment sort of compared to 2019? Yeah, you know, across the membership, you're still looking at only somewhere around about 10% of the, um, the volumes that they were enjoying in 2019. And that's been a, a consistent picture since March of minus 90 um, year on year. So it's still not great. And we don't expect that to change too quickly coming into the first quarter. I think it's going to be beyond that that we start to see some numbers looking a little healthier. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I guess I wanted to ask how it's been for you on a personal level. Obviously, you didn't anticipate anything like this when you when you took the helm at BTA. And how, how's it been, sort of, with the with the responsibility of representing your members in the industry in this um, challenging time? Yeah, listen. I mean, yeah, genuinely, it was a, a role that I took on with a great deal of pride and honour to represent the industry. Yeah, when I did this in September, and and clearly coming into um, COVID was something none of us expected, but in many ways for us and for me personally, it allowed us to really show what uh, an association uh, such as the BCA is all about. 
Um, you know, I've, it seems wrong to say I've enjoyed it, but in some ways I have because it's been right at the forefront of you know, shouting for the industry and what we do and for the whole business travel ecosystem and allowing me to kind of, you know, put something back for an industry that's treated me very well. But equally, I would have rather been able to do that without some sort of dreadful crisis going on in the background. But, you know, on a, a personal note, you know, I've got so many friends and colleagues that have been impacted on this, whether by losing jobs or just generally. It is hard because you in an association regardless of what it is and, and you'll get this a lot as well and in your profession is that you you're talking just pretty much bad news for seven months and you're taking on everybody else's bad news whether you're interviewing them or i'm talking to my members or the partners um so you know i've definitely you know not too proud to admit i've had some pretty dark days over this as many people have when you just feel like the whole weight of the world is on you you can't change anything so it's it's been good and I look back on it and I'm proud of what the BTA has achieved but equally it's you know I'm, I'm very sad at the impact it's had on so many people so it's real mixed emotions yeah of course well let's talk about BTA cares then which is one of the initiatives that you've got up and running in the last last few months um, which is sort of providing support for people who found themselves out of work as a result of the pandemic How, how's that been received? I think you know it's been received very well and it, it was from our point of view we we launched it but it's the community and in the business travel community that have really made it happen so you know we've had all of our partners um get involved and offer their services from free you know from people um such as Sirius offering all the linkedin advice which has been fantastic matt holman from mental health piece all wanted to come together and help and i i think it's been really good for people to get um involved and feel that they're not alone in this and that was purely what it was set up to do and to help people transition into new roles and and um, many of us in this industry have been in it for forever uh, and many have not even had to interview. So we just really wanted to help people in the, in the case where it looks like they might have to go into another industry and how difficult and daunting that is when you haven't done it for a, a very long while. Um, so it was all about that. And I think people have really appreciated that and just keeping involved with the industry that they love. And it's in our interest as an industry too, because you know, clearly we've seen about 60% of staff from the industry made redundant and when this business gets building up again we're going to need people to come back and we need them to stay in touch and still want to come back to this industry when the time is right so it's a two-way thing really but it also allows us to keep in touch with those people that we might lose for a short time there is a, a definite risk that we're going to lose some talent from the industry and uh, as you say it is an industry that sort of tends to suck people in and then and then keep people so let, let's hope there will be opportunities sort of coming back in the year ahead very much so. I mean, I think, you know, it has been stripped down and it's all about, as it comes back, we've got to bring back people in. So I think there will be the opportunity and uh, we just hope those people are still um, in roles that they can leave fairly quickly and come back in if that's the case. But, you know, again, it's important that we as an industry take responsibility that and keep them informed and keep you in touch with them. Yeah. But you've, you've mentioned 60% there and I know sort of earlier on in the, in the year you were talking about the risk of up to 50% of jobs being lost across the industry. So that, that's something you're, you're seeing sort of playing out now then. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those predictions you hope doesn't come true, but um, sadly it has and a little bit more. Uh, the good news was, you know, furlough extended through to March, subject to a review in January. Um, and hopefully that's protecting uh, even more losses. But clearly what we need is for us to let people get back traveling safely and then the industry will start re-emerging and um, we won't see too many more job losses but uh, that's the real thing that's going to make a difference is is getting back to traveling mm. well yeah unfortunately we've lost a sort of handful of tmcs as well and we've seen um, a big acquisition as well ctm 
requiring travel and transport. I guess that's not going to end here, is it? No, I mean, I think it's fair to say we will definitely see some more M&A activity as we come into 2021. And um, you know, that is part of the consequences of something like this. And, you know, will we see any more failures? Of course, we very much hope not. But with the, the intense pressure on anybody's business, when you, it will become very soon, you know, frighteningly 12 months without any money coming in at all, then it's, it doesn't matter how good you are running a business or, you know, it, it becomes extremely tough. So there is still a, a significant risk out there. But, um, you know, the industry is very robust. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, a business that's well used to dealing with crisis. And it, you know, so far, we've got through it with just um, a few failures, sadly. And, and we'll see what 2021 brings. But it is still at risk, of course. As you say, money isn't coming into the till um, and reserves are going to run out. I guess that that leads to all all the talk around the evolution of TMC charging models. And um, you've put a white paper out there with Nina and Pinta, which has sort of increased the volume around all that. And and the potential for more subscription-based fees. What's Mm -hmm. the uh, response to that been so far? Well, I mean, really pleased with the response from it from uh, both uh, sides of the, the the arena, if you like, in the UK from the corporate buyer and from the TMCs, and also beyond these shores. It's it's raised and piqued an interest around that discussion because it's one that is needed to be had, and you know, it was very much my view when I came in this role. It's one we needed to have, and it was pre-COVID. What COVID has done is accelerate that conversation, um, and we've had some you know, fantastic debate, in, in not least you know, uh, in the follow-up that we're working on at the present time as to the next stages. So I think you know what it, it was designed to do is get the industry talking and having it out there and having some honest conversations, and I think we've achieved that. And now we need to keep those conversations moving forward um, to to see where you know we get to. But you know, just to reiterate, it isn't the BTA's position to define what models are. It's to you know, get the conversation moving and help the industry become a little more transparent and um, effective. And that's what you know, we intend to do and keep doing. I suppose it's been quite encouraging. The, the corporate buyer community seems to have been quite receptive to the idea, according to some uh, ITM research we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think they are. I think what the last few months has seen is the value of the TMC and it's something as an industry we still need to work on is to um, identify that um, value even clearer than we've done before. But this event has helped with that. And, it, you know, this is not about you know, anybody trying to, to get one over each other. It's about forming strategic partnerships moving forward. And the way that you have the commercial relationship really does impact uh, how much of a strategic partnership that can be. And I think it's really fantastic to see so many corporate buyers being open-minded to it and having the discussion doesn't mean they necessarily agree with it. And that's quite right too. But, um, you know, to be able, having that debate uh, around the table and willing to carry on that debate, I think that's a fantastic uh, testament to how strong this industry is anyway. Well, um, there's, there's so much we could talk about. And I guess some of the more timely subjects right now. We have uh, last week the exemption for high value business travellers was unveiled by the government. And this was a bit of a strange one because normally we, the same for you, I imagine, we have a bit of a sense that there's some announcement coming and what broadly it might cover. But uh, this one, at least for us, came quite out of the blue. What, how about yourselves? Yeah. 
Equally so. I mean, we were delighted that it was within uh, mentioned as a recommendation to investigate within the Global Travel Task Force document. And you know, we had been speaking to ministers and in fact, only in the weeks before suggesting business travel should be considered for uh, an exemption in a more general state. Um, so we were really pleased just to see it in there as a recommendation. And then when it did come out, clearly, yeah, it, it was a little um, bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, I generally think it, it's really good news. I mean, the way it's come out and the definition is less so because business travel is so much more than that. And it doesn't do us any favours as an industry having it defined as that kind of high ranking individuals. But what it gives us is the door is open for business travel exemption now and we can push on that door and kick on that door to get it widened. So it was significant, um, but that doesn't go far enough as it, as it stands at the moment. Uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise it came out so quickly. It feels like something was lost in translation a little bit with the way it's been implemented. And um, the, the sort of terms and conditions are, are going to be incredibly hard to police. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're going to see quite a lot of travel scotch eggs flying around um, <laughs> in the ways of working through it. And in fairness, um, the, uh, you know, talking to various people that are involved in this, that, you know, they all realise it's going to be quite hard to police and it's going to be um, all about, uh, you know, individuals taking responsibility, which is a lot of what the whole getting back to travel is about anyway. But yeah, I think, you know, there's a review um, every four weeks on this. So uh, I think the next one will be really interesting as to where they, where they take it um, at the next iteration, really. And also coming up next week is um, test to release, where um, travellers returning from destinations not on their travel corridors list can pay for a test on day five to be released. Um, And literally breaking news within the last couple of hours, the the self-isolation period is being reduced from 14 to 10 days as well. So um, a couple of developments there. Are they going to bring any change in behaviour? Is it going to be a bit of a stimulus? So all of these moves are in the right direction, so we welcome them. Are they where we need to get to to see volume um, coming back? No, but it, it, it's those small steps in uh, moving forward. You know, for a business travel perspective, the five-day um, test and release is going to have very little uh, movement on it. We, we're still working very hard in our lobby into the government around on departure testing, which we believe is the only way um, to move forward safely and um, sensibly for, for the industry. Um, the, you know, the, the recent breaking news, as you just said there, from 14 down to 10, again, is, is another welcome and, and, and sensible move forward. And I'm hope for our colleagues in the leisure industry that that has um, you know, a bit more of a, of a positive effect. But it is still very much a piecemeal approach. And, and I think we, we call on government to look at this a lot closer around on departure testing and bringing quarantine right down or being removed um, as soon as, as possibly we can do. Um, because that is really the only way we're going to see um, business get back to travelling again properly. Mm. I mean, you, you've mentioned um, talking to government a few times and uh, you, you've been quite influential in having the all-party parliamentary group business trouble being established last uh, September, I think it was. How's, yeah. how's that experience been for you? Has it been productive? Do you feel like um, you, you have the ear of the government? Maybe they're not always acting in the way you'd like? Um, the third thing to see there's a learning process for all of us is that you, you know, by doing anything with government and asking for it doesn't mean the switch is switched immediately that you are. So the APPG has been fantastic in its start. We've had you know, two really solid meetings, one of which we had 
uh, Robert Courts, the aviation minister, come in uh, and talk to us where we pushed around business travel being exempt. So, you know, you can almost identify that where that point came from. Uh, we have you know, up to uh, 11 MPs on the last call, all of who had interest in business travel, who all go back, whether backbenchers or um, more senior in the government, and tell the story and their support of business travel. So it's having a massive effect and we need to keep moving with that. But it, you know, it doesn't fix everything overnight. It's a, another routine amongst the number of issues and uh, initiatives we have when talking to government and uh, civil servants. But it's, you know, I can't reiterate enough, it's a huge recognition of business travel to have its own APPG and the importance of it. So, yeah, yeah I'm really delighted with the way it's gone and we keep working through 2021 to use that as a point of influence into central government. So it's a massive achievement and it sounds like you've got some, um, well, the right people on there. I mean, you mentioned pre-departure testing. I think we're all in agreement that that is um, going to be a big development. At the moment, we're only seeing airlines on the whole putting a lot of trials out there, not not so much government-led. So uh, as you said, that's something you're pushing for. Are there any other particular initiatives at the moment that you're sort of talking about? I mean, I think that is the most critical one uh, right now is to to get that move to pre-departure testing. And I, I really congratulate the airlines for now getting out there and um, you know, doing their own voluntary trials because what we need is data to um, put on the desk in front of ministers to show that uh, it is a safe and effective way of getting um, people back traveling. The trials such have been done between the US and um, Holland and um, Italy that are coming up. That's great. And that's, that's taken those governments to take that initiative. So again, we'd love the British government to, uh, to be forward thinking and leading like we've done in the past on this, this kind of stuff and, and putting these trials and tests in to prove that it works so yeah if we can get that moving that is the most um, critical piece because things such as help uh, for the industry will be less needed if we're actually trading and being recognized as being able to trade so we have to keep pushing on on that message first and foremost and um, how about the prospect of a, a london new york travel corridor there's, there's been a bit of clamor for that yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work going on, a lot of people involved across many uh, parts of the industry and, and association. And you know, every day that gets a little bit closer, but it's not happening as quickly as we would uh, like it to do. It seems to have um, you know, slightly um, stagnated. Um, and that may be doing New Year and elections and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll be pushing again hard for that to be a reality as soon as we can in the new year. We need um, New York, London would be a real um, feather in the cap of showing the world that we're beginning to get back to trading as such a key trading route. Mm -hmm. As if we didn't have enough on our plates already, we've got the small matter of Brexit coming up as well in a couple of weeks or, or the end of the transition period, I should say. How, how's, how's that um, shaping up for you? Yeah, that one. I mean, it's it's like many industries. It's so hard to plan or tell people what they need to do when so much is is uncertain. Um, you know, what is really important is that our members talk to the clients all the time and update them what they do know. Yesterday, there was announcements around the air um, routes uh, being protected at least for six months, which was which was good news. Uh, I mean, I can't ever imagine that on the midnight on December 31st, we couldn't have flown into Europe, but it was possible. But that has put that to um, bed for a while at least. Mm. And again, it's just imploring the government to get it sorted out as possible. You know, business and industry just need some degree of certainty. Uh, it doesn't matter which industry you're in and, and we need that quickly. And that's all we can ask for. But it is going to add an additional challenge to what is um, already a hugely challenging 
prospect for 2021, which is which is a shame. But we will deal with it as we always do, and we are ready as an industry, I think, to to react and uh, evolve as we need to do for anything that comes out the back of Brexit. Mm-hmm. One article that has been quite highly um, reviewed and, and read on the BTN Europe website is, is Bill Gates' proclamation that um, business travels never going to come back to quite the volumes it was that it that it might only ever reach 50% of what it was and it, I guess he's got his vested interest in the fact that Microsoft Teams has done quite well of the pandemic but um, <laughs> what, what what's your response to that particular view? I mean I think there's no doubt it's going to take a long time if, uh, if it at all gets back to the levels that we've had before but I think there's also this huge um, wrong idea that business travel is just about people flying all over the place on, on meetings. You, you know, there are people still going out to humanitarian aid. They're still got to go and build stuff. You certainly need people traveling on medical research. And, you know, it doesn't mean that people won't get back to traveling on trains or in cars for business travel. So, I, you know, I, I certainly agree with him that, that, that we're going to um, probably see uh, travel at a lower level than we have before, but I don't necessarily concur to the view that it, it's, it's changed forever. I think in a, if you talk for the UK, particularly in, in global Britain post-Brexit, there's got to be a, a fair amount of travel to go and build relationships um, across all of those. But it is clear there is still a need for people to travel to do their job, not just to go and do a deal. Uh, and that that won't go away as, as human beings, as human interaction. We have a pent-up demand created from this of, of wanting to meet with people in person, uh, at least. And, and I think that's going to be critical as the, the world recovers from, from this issue because there will be another one coming down the road for sure at some point. Uh, and we should learn from this that actually working together in collaboration and in person is is one way that we will get out of this. Yeah, hopefully plenty of lessons learned. Um, I guess yeah. if, if I could push you for a figure, what sort of volumes would you um, realistically hope or expect by the end of 2021? Um, I think... You know, realistically, by the end of next year, we would like to see somewhere around about the 60% of the 2019 levels um, returning. Uh, and that's where we kind of get the view from people we talk to right now. But every day that goes past and more issues come up potentially, then that will change. It's, it's very difficult to predict. But you know, that's really the kind of number we'd be looking at by the end of next year. Let's hope for that. Well, Clive, thank you for um, joining us today. I appreciate your input as ever, and um, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Andy. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it.